Good morning, all you fog travelers who worked through the murk to get into the light. I assure you, you're in the right place. My name is Kurt, and I'll be your lay reader today. And let's get our service started by giving each other a warm hug or a handshake.
Good morning, church. Welcome to Brockport First Baptist. Um, if you are new here, we have um, welcome cards right in the pew. They're yellow. If you could fill that out and drop it in the offering plate as it's passed, someone from the church will reach out to you. We would appreciate that. Uh, just a reminder, it is Communion Sunday, so right after Communion, we're having potluck. Everyone is invited. If you have not brought something, that is fine. There's plenty of food to go around, so please join us in some fellowship with that. Um, one correction from the bulletin is that this Tuesday's coffee hour has been moved to Java Junction. So don't show up here at the church. Everyone will be at Java Junction. Um, and then Easter Sunday is coming up, March 31st. There's going to be all kinds of really cool things listed in the bulletin. There's a breakfast before church, an Easter egg hunt for the kids afterwards. Just a little reminder, Easter is a great time to invite your friends that may not come here, that may not go to church. It's just a great time for fellowship. And then just more information about Lenten Holy Week and things that are going on are going to be in your bulletin, so check that out. There's a lot of stuff I don't have enough time to talk about. And um, if you are able, please stand for the call to worship. Our Lenten journey continues. Often the road has been stony and hard. Sometimes we have stumbled and even fallen. Today we rejoice in God's faithful love and together ask for strengths and signs of hope and life. to God.
above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. You were here before the world began, above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. Could all the elementary kids join me up here, please? Grab some other stuff. <clears throat> Not everyone all at once. Come on down. Come on, everybody. <clears throat> we do something a little different today. Let's see here. You brought some people to watch? That's awesome. Come on down, guys. You guys can either, you can stand like right over here. Stay on the front of the table, though. I want to make sure everyone can see. There's a couple more people coming down yet. <clears throat> I, think I'll, I think I'll stand for this, too. I have a chair here, but how are you guys doing? Yeah? You're like, what is he doing today, right? We got one or two more coming down. <clears throat> you know what this thing is? Did you see it at home, Zeke? <clears throat> that makes sense. <laughs> All right. Well, I brought you all here today because I want to tell you guys a story. In fact, it's the Bible story we're going to be uh, learning about today, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. It is a story about two disciples of Jesus. These are your toys. That's right. These little, these little egg, Lego guys. These are friends of Jesus, okay? And this is a story about when some of Jesus' friends went to prison, okay? So the two friends of Jesus, they went to the temple. Do you guys know what a temple is? What's, what's a temple? What did you say, Miriam? I can't hear you. A temple is kind of like a church, okay? It's, it's, it's sort of like a church. It's a place where people come to worship. And Jesus' friends were in the temple, and they were telling people about Jesus. They are telling them uh, how much Jesus loves them, how Jesus died and came, rose again. Um, but the leaders of the temple, the temple authorities, didn't like them talking about Jesus. They were upset that Jesus' friends keep, kept telling people about Jesus. So the temple authorities, they called the police, and the police came to arrest Jesus' friends and put them in jail, okay? I stole it from you. I know I stole all this stuff from you. Now, I've got a jail cell here. I, I made it myself, so please don't laugh, all right? This is, this is the jail cell, and this is a special jail cell. You can kind of see there's, there's only one way in or out of it. And what's special about this jail cell 
is um, it opens all the way, and you can see that there's like nothing inside, right? So the police took Jesus's friends. No, 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 let me, let me do it. You don't know how the trick works. <laughs> um, they took Jesus's friends, and they put them in jail, okay? So they're, so they're, Okay, okay. So they're, so they're locked up in there. You can hear, right? The friends are in there moving around. But um, that night, <clears throat> God sent an angel to rescue Jesus' friends, all right? And that angel came down to the prison, took Jesus' friends, and took them away so that they could keep telling people about Jesus. And then the next morning, the police officer came to check the prison and he found, he opened the doors, and he found the prison <gasps> empty, completely empty. There's nothing in it. You know, you can't see the side of it, please. <laughs> so that's it. Now, do you guys want me to bring the friends back? Should we bring the friends back? No? Okay. They, I mean, in the story, they just go, you want me to bring the friends and make sure your toys are okay? This isn't part of the story, but let's say, let's say the angel came back, brought the friends back, and then, let's see. It's a big, I hear something in there. There they are. We brought them back. They're safe and sound. Let's hear it for Jesus' friends. Okay. So I think, Zeke, why don't you hold on to those? I think one of the things we can learn from this story is that God really wants us to tell people about Jesus. Um, God wants us to tell people about Jesus so bad, God broke two people out of prison so they could keep telling folks about Jesus. Now, here's my question for you all, though. Have you ever, have you ever told anybody about Jesus? You ever talk about Jesus to a friend or... Yeah, cat. You want to you want to tell me about it? No. Okay, that's all right. You forgot. She knows and you know. Okay, very cool. We'll keep it between you two. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can tell friends about Jesus. You can tell them about how much Jesus loved them. You can tell them or loves them. You can tell them about how Jesus died and rose again. Uh, when you go to children's church other weeks here and you hear a really cool story, you can tell your friends about that. And you can also invite friends to church. And at the end of the month, it's Easter. We're going to have breakfast before church. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great week to invite some friends to church. So can you, guys, can you guys remember this week to tell a friend about Jesus? Okay, awesome. You don't think you can remember? Well, we'll all remind you at home. All right. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray real quick. Uh, fold, fold your hands. Close your eyes. Let's pray. God, thank you for these kids. Uh, thank you for loving us, and thank you for rescuing Jesus' friends from prison. Uh, help us remember, Lord, give us opportunities uh, to tell other people about Jesus and about how much he loves us. Uh, we ask this in his name, and everybody said, amen. All right, thank you guys. You can go back and sit with your families. No, just go back. Go back. Of course, I messed everything up. These, uh, these candles aren't real. They're electric. I don't know. Safety for the kids. All right. So good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Dan. It is very good to be with you today. Uh, we're going to go into our time of prayer, and uh, since it's the Lenten season, we've been starting our prayer time um, every week with a prayer of confession. This is a call and response, so the words will be on the screen. I'll say the smaller stuff, and you guys can say the bigger stuff. Let's pray. When all seems lost, Lord, and we are afraid to begin again, when all our problems seem insurmountable, when 
when we think only of self and seek only our own good without concern for others. When tempted to put immediate gain ahead of wise use of the resources you have given us, When we are tempted to lose sight of your great vision for us. God has promised forgiveness of sins to those who repent and turn in faith. May God keep you in grace by the Holy Spirit, lead you to greater faith and trust, and bring you in peace to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're now going to go into um, our time for prayer requests and praises. We've got two microphones uh, up here at the front. Uh, Jim Symboli's also got the handheld mic if anyone can't make it up here. Um, but yeah, what can we be praying about? Tiffany, why don't you start us off? Um, so it's a joy. I, it, it may not seem big to most people, but it's big to me. So I got a, um, my first paper back yesterday, and I got a B plus. Woohoo! That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations, Tiffany. That's great. Oh, Marilyn. Um, I'd like prayers for my my niece Julie and her husband Kenny. Uh, they're on their way to New York City. His aunt passed away, and I do not know the aunt's name. Okay. But um, calling hours are today, and the funeral's tomorrow. Okay. And I would like prayers for safe travel. I am flying to Philly to see our son Tim next weekend. Awesome. I hope you guys have an awesome visit together. Martha. I was in touch with Sharon Dunn this week. Her mom died, and yep. uh, we thank God for her peace. But pray for Sharon, who's quite sick. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so pray for healing for her. Yeah, I believe Sharon's got bronchitis. But yeah, if anyone, if anyone didn't hear that, um, we prayed for Sharon Dunn's mom, Marion, last week. And she did pass away. She was in hospice care. Um, but she passed away, I think, on Thursday. And her memorial service is going to be here at the church uh, this Tuesday at 1 o'clock uh, with calling hours Monday. I can't remember the times, but Monday afternoon, evening uh, over at Fowler's. So... Yeah. Uh, Jenny. Thomas and Carrie were supposed to serve communion this morning, but they're in Buffalo. Thomas's dad is in the hospital and not doing well, so they're all together for a family meeting, so they could use your prayers. Absolutely. James. So we had, like, an eventful week in our family this week, but um, first I'd like to ask for prayers for all the people. Um, I've been at Xerox for 25 years now, and Thursday was another one of the big layoff days in the history of the company. So just prayers for any of the people that, um, I know some people were ready to retire, so it wasn't as rough a day because um, they volunteered. But um, for those that were caught off guard, just Absolutely. prayers with them. Um, and just thanks that our family was not affected by that. Um, and then just I'm thankful for yesterday. Lots of travel. Um, went out to see Nate in his game and then got back for Raya and their concert last night and it was just great to be able to see my wife and my son just do what they love and have joy and um, bring bring happiness to people that get to see them use their their gifts and their skills 
Absolutely. Thank you, James. I have a Peggy. praise and a prayer request. The praise is our granddaughter June turns 16 tomorrow. Woohoo! So prayers that Jennifer can survive all that that entails. Yeah. And also we have a prayer that we're looking for a three-bedroom house for us and our daughter and granddaughter to move into together. And we are not finding much here in Brockport, but she will not move out of Brockport school districts because of our grandson's special needs. Mm. So if y'all hear of anything under $2,000 a month, please let yeah, us know. Yeah, definitely. And, and sorry, what was your granddaughter's name? I couldn't hear. June. June, okay. June. Jen's her mom. Okay. Hannah. Welcome Hi. back, Hannah. <laughs> Hi. Well, that's the praise, is that I'm doing really well. Should be back at work in a couple weeks. Um, my family has had a really, really, really rough um, month. I had a cousin whose child um, passed away at only four months old. Um, we're pretty sure that my aunt is about to get diagnosed probably with cancer. She's got some mass on her kidneys. and. Um, my, but the big one is that my sister's ex-husband committed suicide two weeks ago. Oh so um, he, while he was not close with his, uh, with my nieces and nephew, it's still very, very hard on them yeah. anytime you lose a parent. So um, if you could play for my nieces and nephew and my sister, um, that would be fantastic, and my family in general. Absolutely. So thank you. John. Yeah, during the week I asked for some prayers for my sister and uh, my sister Linda and my uh, liver donation uh, twin uh, Liz mm -hmm. and uh, things are looking up on both fronts. Uh, Linda's had some, um, she's tried a number of things uh, to relieve pain in her head and it looks like the what she's doing now is actually working so that's great. That's awesome. And things are looking up for Liz, too. She actually did get admitted to a Cleveland Clinic again. Her, the liver I donated, they're showing signs of rejection. Um, but they've given her some steroids, and her liver numbers are looking much better. So hopefully she oh. hopes to get discharged and be home on Monday. Awesome. Awesome. We will keep the prayers coming for Liz and Linda. Thank you for that update, John. Um, hi, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been praying for um, my grandpa, um, Jerry, and my daughter, Laurel. Um, my grandpa's doing a lot better. Uh, the cellulitis is mostly healed. Uh, he doesn't have COVID anymore. He's making like a full recovery, and he's actually been able to leave the house and resume like normal activities. So that's yeah. a huge praise. Um, my daughter, uh, Laurel, she, we're, I mean, navigating a new allergy is always hard. Um, mm. We have an allergist appointment on April 29th, which is super far, but we're getting there. Um, we did get an EpiPen from her pediatrician um, for emergency purposes, so it's really good peace of mind to have that. Um, so it's another huge praise, so thank you all. Um, and then I just want to ask for prayers for my mom, Beth. Um, she fell last weekend and broke her rib, um, and it has been a really long week um, for her. Like basic tasks are really hard. So just keep her recovery and your prayers. Thank you. Definitely, Haley. Thank you. Lori. I just want to put a quick plug in for the Robert Dean Corral concert that was held here, that will be held this afternoon, a second one. 
um, some of our church members are members of this group. There was a concert here last night. There's one today at 3 o'clock at the United Methodist, Elm Grove United Methodist Church. 3 o'clock this afternoon. It's free. They accept donations for music and such. But the highlight is a duet between Raya and Dick Carter that is awesome. If you go for no other reason, go to hear them. It's great. Very cool. She upstages you, doesn't she, Dick? (laughs) 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 Tiffany. So um, I reached out to Sharon just now and said, I'm sorry, bronchitis. She actually has the flu and bronchitis. So with steroids and inhalers, she's on the mend, but she has both. Good meds. Thank God for good meds. <clears throat> Dick. Uh, just a, um, a prayer, please, for Darla Bear's mom, who is 92 years old and uh, had come down with COVID. And she's been quarantined for 10 days and all that good stuff. And she got tested again. She still tested positive. Um, so prayers for her for recovery. She's being, I think now is more, she's upset about it and being yeah. depressed about it. So. Um, just prayers for her and for her healing. What's your mom's name? Esther. Esther. Okay. Anything else we can be praying about? Okay, with that, uh, let's have a few moments of silence. We can pray on our own, and then I'll lead us in prayer together. Let's pray. Mighty and merciful God, we come before you confessing all that we are. We like the paths of our lives to be easy, comfortable, and untroubled. We expect problems to melt away, hardships to be smoothed over. We want stones to be turned into bread. We don't want to follow the difficult but faithful way of Jesus. And so, God, we ask for your encouragement and correction. Deliver us from temptation by the same grace that kept our Lord secure in your love during those 40 days in the desert. Help us to see the corruption in our own hearts and forgive us our sins. Teach us to walk in the path of Christ. We lift up to you all the needs of our hearts, the prayer requests, the praises that were shared today. We pray for Sharon Dunn and her family with the passing of her mom, Marion. Pray over Sharon's health as well. We pray for Tiffany, for Julie and Kenny and their family. We pray for Marilyn and Tim Thomas and Carrie, 
Pray for everyone impacted by the layoffs over at Xerox. Pray for Nate and Raya and all the folks who will be at the Robert Dean Corral concert later today. Pray for June and Jen, Dan and Peggy. We pray for Hannah and for her family with all they're going through. I think especially of Hannah's sister and her nieces and nephews. We pray for Linda and Liz, Jerry, Laurel, and Beth. We pray for Darla and Esther and any needs that remain unspoken. God, we ask that you would deliver the oppressed, grant freedom to the captives, bring healing to the sick, and surround the brokenhearted with love. We ask for all these things in the powerful name of Jesus, Lord, because it was he who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, forever. Amen. Uh, before we take the offering, I want to invite everyone's attention to the screens uh, for a short video about our communion offering for this month. Hello, I'm Jeff Hagre, Executive Director of American Baptist Home Mission Societies. Our board of directors and staff seek daily to advance our mission to support American Baptist with the resources and tools needed to impact the United States of America with the gospel that heals and transforms. In Lamentations 3, 22 following, we find these words, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail, they are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. Those words inspire our mission focus, which includes empowering leaders, funding learners, equipping Christian leaders for intercultural and cross-cultural effectiveness, providing resources for continuous learning and enabling service, justice, and advocacy to underserved and underlistened to populations that are in need. ABHMS actively distributes proceeds from the America for Christ offering to our Baptist partners who are, on, who are the hands and feet of Christ on the ground in local communities throughout the USA and Puerto Rico. The AFC offering supports congregations, faith-based nonprofits, and American Baptist-related ministries that don't make the news, but they make a difference in the lives of people who deserve to know that they are loved by God, seen by the church, and lifted up by our generosity. So please give generously today to support the America for Christ offering, and in doing so, you will provide tangible financial support to Christian ministries across America. Thank you. Let's pray to bless the offering. Perfect God, you love us so much and you trust us so much with all that we have. We give back to you, Lord, with glad hearts and pray 
with those glad hearts, that it be used for your purpose in this place and in this time with the people whom you so greatly love. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll admit before I get in the reading that I was kind of hoping that Sapphira and Aeneas would fall to me this week. And then when Dan explained why he did it last week, it made sense to me because I had no idea where he was going to go with that. And it was, it was a helpful sermon last week because when I read it, I'm like, oh my goodness. It was where a little dark, not, not very kid friendly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so please join me with this reading from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 26. They're found on page 888 and 89 in the Pew Bibles. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Yet more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, great numbers of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats in order that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he came by. A great number of people would also gather from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all cured. Then the high priest took action. He and all who were with him, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out, and said, 
Go, stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on with their teaching. When the high priest and those with him arrived, they called together the council and the whole body of the elders of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the temple police went there, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were perplexed about them, wondering what might be going on. Then someone arrived and announced, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the temple police and brought them, but without violence, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. So our story for today uh, introduces what is going to become a really big theme in the book of Acts, prison. Specifically, the followers of Jesus being thrown in prison. All these figures we meet in Acts, um, heroes of our faith like Peter, Paul, Barnabas, every single one of them at one point or another winds up in prison. Many of them die in prison. So often we read these stories about uh, the apostles being incarcerated, and we, we'll talk about persecution, right? Christians being persecuted for their faith. Or other times we read these stories and we focus on the miracle of it all, um, this divine deliverance. God sends angels to free the disciples from jail, to literally break them out. You've got, you know, people are, are standing under Peter's shadow and being healed. We'll focus on the miracle of it all, that moment when the, the temple police show up and the gates are empty, and we just kind of marvel at it. All good stuff. I love a good miracle story as much as the next guy. I'm also really passionate um, about religious liberty and ending the persecution of religious minorities. That's really important. But when we put all the focus here in, in those areas, we often neglect a major focal point of these stories, which is prison itself. Prison and imprisonment are major themes in the New Testament. Half of Paul's letters are written from prison. In his very first sermon in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says that the Spirit of God has anointed him to proclaim release to the prisoners. John the Baptist winds up in prison. Jesus winds up in prison and is then executed by the state. And now in the book of Acts, we see that prison continues to be a reality for these first Christians. The apostles are in prison. If we're going to understand the Gospel... We need to talk about prisons. And this is where I know I'm going to lose some of you, like right away. Um, I've been known to say some controversial stuff up here from time to time, yes? Um, whether it's criticizing capitalism um, or our lax gun laws, um, I've preached sermons advocating for women's rights, LGBTQ rights, talking about systemic racism, I usually hear nothing but positive feedback from folks. Sometimes I think I'm, I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. 
or people are just really quiet when they have reservations. <laughs> but the only time I've ever gotten significant pushback on something I've talked about, something I've preached on, is when I've talked about race and policing. And we're going, what's that? Oh, don't call anyone out by Dave Louie. That's not nice, even if it is your brother. Um, but no, <clears throat> we're, we're going there today. We're going there today. I know this is a controversial subject. There are very strong opinions in this room, not just in Luann's family. Um, <laughs> I know this is also a very, a very personal topic. Uh, many of us have friends and loved ones in law enforcement. A few of us also have friends and loved ones who've been incarcerated. I have both, uh, for the record. I have good friends who are police officers and who work in prisons, and I have good friends who've been in jail, so I get it. I understand how personal this is and how hard it is to talk about. Here's the thing, though. This is the really important thing. We can't let political agendas and fear of controversial topics control what we talk about in church. That would be idolatry. As a preacher, I've got to go where the text leads. And to preach on Acts without talking about prisons, a book where a major theme is the followers of Jesus being put in prison, to ignore that would be incredibly unfaithful to this book. So let's talk about prisons and how we relate to prisons as Christians. You don't look like you're excited for this. Let's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be good. <clears throat> Um, since this theme is going to come up multiple times in our study of Acts, uh, I want to keep it simple today, and I want to focus this teaching on uh, a fundamental shift that I believe we need to make um, if we take the book of Acts seriously, and it has to do with how we understand prisons, our assumptions about prison. There are two assumptions that our culture makes about prison. The first is that prisons are inherently good, and the second is that people in prison deserve to be there. Prisons are inherently good, and people in prison deserve to be there. The prison system of our country depends on most Americans, most people, believing these two things. Prisons are inherently good. We assume that prisons are a good thing. They keep us safe, uh, they help maintain law and order, and they do that by locking away dangerous criminals, right? They, they allow us to remove violent, dangerous people from the population. And that goes to the second assumption. If you're in prison, you deserve to be there. We take it for granted that everyone in prison has been convicted of a crime. They were found guilty, and now they're paying their debt to society. We don't really know how all that works, though. <laughs> Like, uh, the average person couldn't tell you what actually happens in prison, uh, what percentage of people in prison uh, might be innocent. We couldn't cite statistics on recidivism, the effectiveness of prisons, how good of a job they actually do at rehabilitating people. We just assume that everyone in prison belongs there and it's a good thing. I submit to you that most of the people living in Rome at the time of the book of Acts made the exact same assumptions, and they were wrong. Here's the shift. Here's the shift I think we need to make 
if we take the book of Acts seriously. If we believe that this is our story, if the apostles being held in prison are heroes and God breaking them out is a good thing, we need to shift these two assumptions to this. Prisons are not inherently good. And not everyone in prison deserves to be there. That's the shift I'm proposing to you all today. And honestly, it's not that big of a shift. Can I get an amen to that from someone? Amen. It's not that big of a shift. I'm not asking anyone to assume that prisons are bad or evil. I'm not saying we should abolish prisons. I'm not saying that everyone in prison is innocent. Certainly not. All I'm saying based on this story from Acts chapter 5, is that prisons are not inherently good and not everyone in prison deserves to be there. If we can't make this shift, we should be rooting for the Sadducees, the high priests, the people who put the apostles in jail. Now, you might say, but pastor, of course prisons were bad in ancient Rome but they're better today. We fixed the issues. It was flawed back then, but our prisons are different. And we could talk all day about the state of prisons, how prisoners are treated. That's a whole other conversation. But I want to keep things kind of short, sweet, and focused. So I'm going to share three statistics with you all. Three numbers that I want to drill into your brains. I want you to remember about prisons in America. Those numbers are 531, 74 and 37. 531, 74, and 37. 531 is our incarceration rate. We imprison 531 people out of every 100,000 in America. Um, for every, for every 100,000 Americans, 531 of them are in prison. It's about half a percent of our population that's incarcerated. That number's way down, by the way. Uh, just a few years ago, it was closer to 1,000. So like, like 2018, 2016, we were imprisoning 1% of our population uh, at that time. So it's, it's come down, uh, which is good. That's progress. We're moving in the right direction. And honestly, that number doesn't sound that bad. Right? Like, like half of 1%. That's not many people. But how does that compare to the rest of the world? There are only four countries that imprison a higher percentage of their population than us. El Salvador, Cuba, Rwanda, and Turkmenistan. Not exactly paragons of liberty, right? <laughs> like, we're number five. Um, we are fifth in the world for imprisonment. Uh, we, imp- we imprison a higher percentage of our population than any other modern democracy. Just to make some comparisons, uh, go to this next slide. Um, so again, the U.S. imprisons 531 out of every 100,000 people. That's our incarceration rate. In England, the incarceration rate is 143. In France, it's 107. Canada, our neighbors to the north, are at 85. 67 in Germany, and Japan only imprisons 36 out of every 100,000 people. Russia's 300, 
you know, you know Russia, the, the country where you go to jail for going to a protest, they're at 300, so that's, they're, they're like close at least. But no other modern Western nation is anywhere close to us. We imprison a higher percentage of our population than Russia, North Korea, China, Iran. Could it be that Americans are just more prone to crime? Like, are, are we five times more criminal than France? Is, is, that how, is that how it works? Or like, maybe our criminal justice system is just that good at catching criminals. You know, our cities like, like Montreal and London just awash in crime. If not, then we have to ask, why do we lock up so many people in our country? Why are we beating almost the whole rest of the world? And these other two numbers might shed a little bit of light on that. Remember, there's only three numbers you have to remember today. Not all these. 531, 74, 37. 74 is the percentage of incarcerated people who have not been convicted of a crime. 74% of our prison population in the U.S. has not been convicted of a crime. Uh, a big chunk of that are folks in some stage of pretrial. Um, they've been arrested, they're behind bars, they're going to be charged eventually, but uh, they're in jail waiting on trial, probably because they can't afford bail. That's one chunk of the 74%. The rest are people who took plea deals. Uh, if you can't afford bail, you don't have a good lawyer, and you're looking at it being months or even years before you get a trial, the public defender will tell you to take a plea bargain. Plead guilty to lesser charges, bypass a lengthy trial that you're probably not going to win anyway, go to prison, you could be home in 18 months, maybe less with good behavior. 74% of the people in our prisons are there because they can't afford not to be. The, the criminal justice system is too expensive for them. And that brings us to our last number. This is the really depressing one, 37. That is the percentage of our prison population that is African-American. 37% of the people we lock up, more than a third of our prisoners in the US are black. But African-Americans only make up 13% of our population. So if you run the math on that, that means that African-Americans are five times more likely to be incarcerated than white people. And again, we have to ask that really uncomfortable question. Do we actually believe that the color of a person's skin has something to do with their criminality? Does having darker complexion make you more likely to commit crime? If not, we've got a problem, you guys. Could it be that centuries of injustice, the racial wealth gap, unconscious bias, totally conscious bias, could all of that be contributing to people of color being five times more likely to be put behind bars than white people? I would say yes. See, prisons play a lot of different roles in society. They're not just one thing. Um, I actually think we do need some form of prison. Um, we need a place to put the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, right? Like the, the Charles Mansons. We need a place to put 
those folks so they can be monitored and hopefully receive the mental health care and other services they need to be rehabilitated. I think we need that. But that is far from the majority of people we are putting in jail. And that's because locking up violent criminals is not the only function of a prison system, you guys. Prisons have been used throughout history as a place to detain undesirable populations. The untouchables. People we don't want voting. People who hold political views or religious views that stray from the norm. That's how prisons work in Russia, where Alexei Navalny was just killed, well, just over a week ago, in prison for opposing Putin. That's how we're seeing prisons being used in the New Testament. And when African Americans are five times more likely to be incarcerated than white people in a history, a, a country with a history of systemic racism, that's how prisons are being used here as well. 531, 74, and 37. Now I could end the sermon here. Um, I know that was intense, right? That was a lot of information. Uh, hopefully we're all feeling appropriately bad about ourselves right now. Um, hopefully we're all in a penitent state. We could go to the table and receive communion in memory of our incarcerated Lord and Savior. But I don't want to end that, the sermon here. I want to end this sermon with some hope. A few action steps. Things we can actually do. Steps we can actually take to make a change on this. Uh, so often we talk about problems in our society, all the bad stuff that's happening out there in the world, but we don't always know what to do about it. There actually is stuff we can do about this if we want to reform our prisons. The first is to contact your state representatives and the governor and tell them to hold the line on bail reform. Back in 2019, uh, New York State passed historic bail reform that eliminated cash bail for most nonviolent crimes. Uh, it also incentivized judges to send people into drug treatment programs and other stuff like that pre-trial instead of prisons. Um, that is part of how we got that number down to 531, by the way, are reforms like that. Uh, but right now, there's a big effort in the state legislature to roll back those reforms, to bring back cash bail, make it easier to hold people in prison pre-trial who haven't committed violent crimes. So one thing you can do if you care about this is call the governor, email your state rep, and tell them you support the bail reforms from 2019. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to get a hold of these people, go on the Google machine and type in who are my representatives and how do I contact them. It's super easy to do. Second thing you can do is actually happening here at church this April. Uh, for the entire month of April, we're going to be hosting a traveling exhibit called Going Upstate that explores mass incarceration in New York State. Uh, we're hosting this exhibit for the month of April. It's going to be on display in the fellowship hall. You'll be able, before or after church, to come and look at the displays, read the information, educate yourself, learn some things. We're going to have a few events here at church in April to highlight this display. Um, come out to those. Learn about the impact of mass incarceration on our community. And then the third thing you can do is probably the most fun. 
and that's to hang out with Carrie and Thomas Gant. Talk to the Gants. Um, as Jenny mentioned, Carrie and Thomas were going to be here today. They were going to be um, giving out, uh, doing communion. I did check with them before I made them a point in my sermon. Um, <laughs> but obviously with Thomas's dad, they, they couldn't be here, and that's uh, totally understandable. But Carrie and Thomas, if you haven't met them, they are advocates for prison reform who are part of this church. Thomas has preached here before, uh, carries on church council. Next time you see the Gants, ask them about their work on sentencing reform, prison reform, uh, their advocacy for incarcerated people and their families. Ask Carrie and Thomas what you can do to get involved and to help. The next time they lead a small group here, which is probably coming in, in the next few months, hopefully, come to that book study and ask about their work with Communities Not Cages, which is a nonprofit they both work with aimed at ending mass incarceration. Three things you can do. Do one of them. That's my challenge. That's my plea to you. In Matthew 25, there's this famous teaching from Jesus where he tells us that whatever we do for the least of these, we do for him. Do you guys know that story? Whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me? I'm going to read part of it, and it'll be up here on the slides too. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Whatever we do for the prisoner, we do for him. And when we neglect the prisoner, we are neglecting him. Taking the gospel seriously means talking about controversial stuff from time to time. It means having uncomfortable conversations. If this is our story, if the Bible is our sacred text and we want to live in light of its teachings, we have to think about prison differently. And we need to end mass incarceration once and for all. Let's pray. God, help us to learn from the example of the disciples. From the examples of Jesus, John the Baptist, Paul, Peter, so many others who were imprisoned for following you. Help us to share your heart for those in prison. Use our hands to dismantle the system of mass incarceration that has destroyed so many lives and taken away so much. We ask for this in the name of Jesus, our incarcerated Lord. Amen.
We come to this table together once a month to remember Jesus and the meal he shared with his friends just hours before he was incarcerated. You do not need to be a member of this church or any church to take communion here at Brockport First Baptist. We practice an open table, which is to say that everyone is welcome to partake. Just a few moments, um, our ushers are going to be distributing the bread. We ask that you would hold on to that until everyone has been served, and then we will take it together, and then we'll do the same thing after with the juice. Let's pray to bless the elements. God, we thank you for your son, for his example and his sacrifice. We ask that you would help, uh, help us to remember him in every aspect of our lives, to rejoice and celebrate him, and to follow him, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Scriptures tell us that after they had prayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. body of Christ given for you. Take and eat.
a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's our tradition here at Brockport First Baptist that every time we share communion together, uh, we read our church covenant and we sing the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Both of those will be found up on the screens. I invite all who are able to please stand for the reading of our covenant. Believing that God has revealed himself to us.
is not the end of communion. Please, please stick around after church. Join us for our potluck out in the fellowship hall. There is plenty of food, even if you didn't bring anything. Uh, please join us and uh, have, have that meal as it continues out there. And now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.